Hey, what's up, everybody? Episode 152, Kevin Baxter, the Bateman, joins, and we talk about all the crazy things that would happen in Bassmaster, BPT, Bassmaster Opens, and all the crazy stuff on and off the water, and we break it down, and we talk some baits. Enjoy the episode. Woo, here we are, Hella Bass Live. What's up, everybody? Got uh, special guests. What's up, Bax? How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm glad we could... Uh finally schedule a you know a meshing of the channels here i think we call it a collaboration in the yeah, business it just sounded a lot cooler when i said it like that so the kids call it a collaboration yeah let's old farts collabing we, we figured out the multi-stream so you might be you might be on the Bateman stream you might be on the hellabash stream but everybody's welcome we're all chatting and hanging out mm -hmm. yeah i worked me some overtime um today and uh, Hella Bass said yesterday, won't you come on stream? Because I was trying to get Hella on my channel yesterday because it didn't work. But it worked out, didn't work too much. We're here. We got some hot topics we want to cover. As I said, yep. hot takes with Hella Bass. Some could be a little cool. Some could be hot. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, there's just been like a whole, I don't know, crap ton of stuff that uh, has gone on. Uh, I see a bunch of uh, familiar. We got we got some. I see some people checking in from different channels. It's like these yeah, guys are watching cool. the Bateman like channel. I can kind of tell who it is. It's kind of using the new feature here, uh, and then a lot of people watching on Hellabash stream as well. So awesome to see everybody. Darius said the fish was a little slow on Kentucky yesterday. So so what I've been told, and maybe Darius can back this up because Darius fishes a lot more than I do, and he's fun to fish with. But I've been told you can catch him about any way you want to. Uh, hmm. And I, I looked at our Tuesday night tournament results. It took 13 and a half pounds to win. That's a three fish limit. Uh, I know the guy won. He's a great fisherman. Um, sure. And I just haven't been out there enough. I'm wondering if these fish have come up real shallow. Uh, finally, I feel like our largemouth were way behind. I've seen a lot more largemouth weighed in. And our good buddy Adam uh, Bartusek, hopefully I pronounced that right, got second there in the uh, Bartusek. Yeah. Bartusek. <clears throat> Sorry. Well, I just like to call him Bart. And, yeah. Uh, but he got second. Just That tournament was dominated with smallmouth. Absolutely. And are you able to bring up comments on your end or just Yeah. Online? Matter of fact, uh, I got a uh, donation here from Hunter Nixon. Somebody did. And uh, shout out for a $5 make you holler. Hunter Nixon, great dude. He's been catching a lot of bass. He's yeah, been absolutely. putting a new awesome. six cents for him to work. I saw that. So... Do you got a do you got a commercial? You got a plug? You need to go for a plug, no, right? Yeah, here? we got. I mean, uh, tonight's stream is presented by Arsenal Fishing and boosted by Powerhouse Lithium, uh, at least on the Hellabass side. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, I don't have uh, any lithiums, you know, from my bank beaten backpack. But uh, you know what? If I did have lithium, and do get a boat, I will probably boost it up with some Powerhouse Lithium. There I you go. Nothing but good things. <clears throat> that's a non-sponsored plug there. If I was sponsored, I would. Well, if I wasn't sponsored, I'd probably put the powerhouse in there. Yeah, well, uh, I did see one. So uh, Travis Stearman says, uh, why is Bernie on the thumbnail? And this one kind of slid under the radar because I think Caleb Kufal is a bit of a, a stand-up guy. And we'll get to that. I'm, I'm not quite ready. I'm, I'm uploading something so I can share some stuff here. So we'll, we'll come back to that, Travis. But there is a and reason was, that Bernie. I was quick on getting that, too. We're working on uploading and processing as that uh, 
What's up, RJ? Yeah, what's up, man? I, I see RJ just throwing around money in the JDM groups, like buying Mega Bass all the time. Like RJ does love him some one tens. That's yeah, for sure. man. I guarantee you, he got some of these. This this ain't a Mega Bass. I bet you, and you probably can find these on Omnia still or Tackle Warehouse, wherever you want to shop. You can use Hellas code on Omnia or my link. That's that Northern Secret juice. I mean. Mm -hmm. Before they re-released this bait, these things were going for like 200 bucks a pop. Uh, I'm obviously I'm probably going to fish this. That's the right colors there. A little purple, a little yellow on the belly. Oh, I and honestly, I, I haven't bought that color because I've been smoking them on the re-range Secret Shad 2, Basically which is really similar. Thing. And uh, this past weekend, so I, I was on a fishing bender from like, this is the time of year my, my wife and kids go out of town with their in-laws for a little bit. So I'd like fished for like 11 days straight. Um, but this past weekend I was up on Vermilion up North getting ready for a tournament. I had a tournament actually on Monday and, uh, 52, 53 degree water. They were chewing the sides off jerk baits and my buddy and I, <clears throat> we only weighed like 17 and a half pounds, but <clears throat> we both easily had a 15 pound plus limit ourselves in the tournament. You know, we were catching two to three pound smallies left and right on jerk baits and he was throwing a 110 plus one some fancy color and i was throwing that rearrange mr and we went fish for fish all practice all weekend so i'm impressed yeah i like the rearrange one it casts really well but it will if you've never thrown the rearrange mm -hmm. or a mega bass lbo it has the same kind of deal okay when you go snap your rod forward it get mixed that pow the first time i ever threw it i thought i hit somebody's rod i was like what the crap yeah duck where they at and and I realized it was the bait, but it will cast really good in the wind. And I, I do think that's an advantage at some times. Well, somebody used the, the coupon code. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, that, and I, I you you can flat out outcast a 110 with a rearrange. That rearrange casts a mile, especially if you have to cast into the wind. And actually, RJ jumped in my boat last week. It took him out fishing one night after work because he was getting some stuff done at Intune Marine. And, uh, He's like, you know what? I might have to, you know, as big of a Mega Bass 110 Bobo as RJ is, he's like, I'm going to have to get me a couple of those re-ranges. Those are pretty nice. <laughs> uh, Aaron says, does anyone know the hooks Mega Bass uses? Yes. Uh, I think you can find them. Most retailers, they're called a Cots. God dang, I can't pronounce. Dude, I live in Kentucky. I I'm going to say Cotswage hook. It's spelled K-A-T-S-U-A-G-E. Uh, it's got the out barbs on them. Now, here's a hot take. A lot of guys say, I hate Mega Bass hooks. The one time I went fishing with Matt Allen, he literally made fun of me for leaving them on there. And said, those are junk. How can you, you can't catch a giant bass or pull the hooks, blah, blah. First 10 minutes fishing with him, I caught an eight pounder. Mm -hmm. Stuck. So I, I never... actually do like the hooks. but if I do. You, you can't yeah. have an overpowered jerkbait rod, and you've got to learn to, when you hook up on a Vision 110, you can't just jake a wheeler on man. You've got to let the rod do some work. Absolutely. And I've, I've never really had problems with them bending out, fighting the fish. It's when I go to remove them from the fish's mouth that I tweak them. Yes, I will agree with that. Uh, and so they do wear out. Like, they're sharp, but you will, I mean, you catch you know, five, six, eight good ones. And there's a pretty good chance that you're, uh, 
Maybe yeah, so the, the one thing is they're on a jerk bait, so you're not like burning, hitting stuff on the bottom like you would like a rock crawler or a square bill or something like that. Um, this, this is what I've been using. When, so I like to use the ones that come on them until they wear them out, they get dull, I bend them, I break them, whatever. And then I go to these Ichikawa's regular wire, which are pretty light, and I feel like these are pretty good replacements. Um I've never used them, but I've heard a lot of good things. Uh, and they're actually pretty reasonable. Yeah. So the number six comes with seven per pack for eight forty nine. It's not bad. I like the G Finesse, you know, Aaron Martin's trebles. Yeah. But they are a little pricey. Um, I like decoys as well. Decoy makes a really good treble hook. It's like a YMF 35F yeah. or something like that. And the code down on the, sc- the bottom of the screen will hook you up on Omni and save you an extra 15% on these already pretty affordable Ichikawa hooks. So... Definitely worth uh, a look. Yeah, um, I actually save almost about a ten percent, eighty five. So yeah, you're actually saving about a dollar a pack. So that's really not bad at all. Who's that? Can't hear you. Who can't you hear? Oh, like Colby just spent like ten grand at Omni. What did you get, Colby? And did you use my code? He bought the whole dang store. <laughs> did you buy some anchors? He just said some uh, like you could have bought some electronics or some anchors. Right. Yeah. There you go. He put. You got new electronics for the icon that he got. Tim Maynard likes the Ichikawa's. What's up, Tim? Yeah, man. What's up, Tim? Long time we'll see, buddy. Hopefully they throw in a some jerky for you, Colby, with that order. Oh, um, some big jerky. You ever been to Bucky's? I ha- you know I I really I went down to Knoxville. And uh, you you couldn't make it over there, but I was like wanted to get there, and I was on the phone with my wife because I left uh, Indianapolis, and I drove by a Bucky's, but I was like, I was tied up on the phone doing stuff, and I really wanted to stop because I had never been to one, but I ended up not making it. Yeah, we stopped there and cooked for me and Junior. I, th- I can't remember if I went the week. I think I went the week before or week at two weeks before the classic to basketball game. Do that Bucky's off the chain so i'm a lemonade connoisseur and they have some really good lemonade okay i quit the mountain dew so it's you know lemonade sugar free for me you got you got our you got our topic loaded up yet is it ready Um, well we don't have the bernie thing loaded up it's still uploading to my my drive here but uh the people might be ready for a hot take we could talk with uh see we had we we had let's see that we have bernie on the topic which we're gonna have to get back to we've got uh the uh wheeler lake hole buzzards yeah we've got the poche and we've got the ducket a lot of people not even talking about the ducket either i think the only way to do this i think we should i'm gonna make a little poll here a little live poll on the sure. we'll let the fans Decide where we go. Rich Seventeenth said he used your code as well. I don't, Rich. What'd you get, buddy? Rich making rich rich. Do appreciate the support. Absolutely. Uh, Boyd. Colby says he got lucky and won 50k in a drawing last year. Holy what? 
last one was Poche you right. I don't know Chuck I need to talk to Epic Eric I still owe him a package from like two years ago <laughs> Daniel said he had to use both he's waiting for next month <laughs> I'll probably I'll, I'll probably get Eric on here this fall or something when we get yeah I had uh, Eric on maybe I don't know if you saw I don't know if you had we did two and a half hours of straight bass hacks. That was a fun show. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. I think I watched a little bit live. I might have been at work. Uh, but, yeah, I'll get Eric on. He's fishing a lot right now, and I'm working a lot. So, um, But I miss that guy. He's a really good dude. And, and, you know, I don't stream as much as I used to. I try, I'll do these spurts where I'll stream like three or four times in like two weeks, and then yep. something comes up. These kids, they're always into something. Juniors fix to start football again, so. I'm trying to be more consistent. So, <clears throat> I will say I got a giveaway going on, and I got a draw for it. So, if y'all want to go ahead and get on that, go to the stream I just did and leave a comment, you know, and uh, you'll be entered in the giveaway. You got to be a subscriber, and uh, if you're a channel member, so uh, I got a bunch of custom baits from this Paul crew. Hellabass, watch it super awesome stuff and i made two little 3600 boxes and give away one to a channel member one to a subscriber so uh, i've been kind of do that i've seen him for like i've been aware of paul for a long time he does some really so i like that he kind of does his own thing you know i'm not trying to badmouth anyone that has do it most i got one right here i don't pour plastics uh but everything's like hand done you know Mm -hmm. And the way he told me, everything's one bait at a time. I'm not saying he just has one mold, uh, but it's one pour, you know. And it's really cool, unique. I mean, there's no way I'll ever use all that stuff, so I'm going to save stuff for some more giveaways and whatnot. But, like, the little goby thing, dude, that, that's wild. I mean, you could use it here as a normal swim bait, but, like, where you're at, uh, up north, St. Clair, Erie, places like that, I could see that doing some really good damage. Um but I like those, you know, his, his long straight tail worms, man. That, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I like. Maybe we'll show some of them off a little bit later. Um, all right. So the the, the 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 people have spoken. They want to talk about the hole buzzards first. Okay. So let's set. I do have a look. I, I can share this here. It's a really good topic because we have a lot of them here on Kentucky Lake. Or used to when everybody was wanted to come fish here. So. Ledge fishing, Wheeler Lake, Bassmaster Open, and it really kind of started, I think, a little bit here when Ben Milligan made this post on, at least I saw it on Instagram, maybe it was posted other places, but uh, he was a little bit unhappy with his, the boat flip. I mean, it happens. He had a, a what a top 40 boat draw the first day, which means he was in the bottom 40. The mm-hmm. second day, he gets on his first spot the first day, catches 18 pounds. He's sitting in the top 15, had a good day, things are rolling, uh, and then... You know, and people came in on him the first day. We're fishing around him. And, uh, yeah, bent hole, hole buzzards, red, bro- yeah, I mean, any way you want to say it. Yeah, that's kind of what they're getting at. Um, yeah, the, the other kind of sight fishermen, the ones <laughs> where they see fish being caught and then they go over there. Um, and so he made this post, and uh, Matt and him were sharing some water the second day. And they actually went into a pretty deep dive today on uh, BTL. But in the heat of the moment, they weren't very happy with each other. And uh, 
this when uh, Ben's post came out, Matt was in the back of the photo. That's This is Pangrax's boat here. And uh, they got into it a little bit in the comments on Instagram. I don't know if they saved all these comments or not. The problem with Ben's post, there's a million comments on him. So. Yeah, he's kind of a popular dude. Yeah, for good reason. So you could probably go in there and find all the comments. Oh, so it looks like maybe it was deleted. Maybe I would guess that Matt deleted it. Right. Be my guess is not that Ben deleted it, but I I have no idea. Um, yeah, I made a. I think I made a comment on there, but it wasn't bad. It was just you know, like. Yeah. So basically, I mean, according to Matt, you know, he was bottom ten boat, so he was top ten boat the second day, and. You know, he found these fish. He intended to start there. He didn't know Ben fish there until he talked mm-hmm. to Andrew Upshaw. Um, so, and then he went and he had the courtesy to tell Ben that he was going to fish there <clears throat> and uh, let him know so that, you know, that Ben could come in and Ben did come in. And then when Ben got there, he wasn't happy with the way Matt was set up on the spot because Matt was fishing a different with him. And Ben felt like he wanted to be casting where matt's boat was and that added to the frustration because he felt like he knew the spot better or he knew what he needed to do or at least what worked for him yesterday um and they kind of hashed it all out on btl today so yeah if you saw the btl thing today they they kind of they talked after the tournament and everything's cool but in the heat of the moment neither one of them was very happy with each other and this is just indicative of what happens in ledge tournaments Especially period on right? the i mean you can this being a kentucky lake guy uh <clears throat> So why don't you give your kind of take on? Well, so uh, look, obviously me and Ben are good buddies, and Pangrax's been on uh, my channel several times, and I like Matt. He's a really good guy, and I I don't think Matt would ever whole buzz somebody intentionally. I also don't think Ben would lash out with that kind of frustration and intentionally try to hurt Matt or slander him. And I think we saw that Ben also admitted the only person that really had to blame is me. You know, I've been there. You know, I've, I've, I've fished tournaments for a long time here on Kentucky. Like, everybody wants to fish the ledges. And, dude, it will burn you out. Because if you don't get that early boat draw, you're basically take a number. And the only thing I'll say is about that situation is I'm glad they really hashed it out. And I figured they would. I didn't think, like, Ben was going to be on BTL and be like, you suck, and I'm going to F you up at the ramp. No, that wasn't going to happen. I think they both have respect for each other. Uh, I actually have seen some worse stuff, and we got something coming up. I actually think it was worse than Mm -hmm. uh, that right there. But they hashed it out, and, you know, anytime I've had that happen, you know, other than one time, I've, I've usually been able to hash it out with somebody. And, you know, it is actually a waiting game, ledge fishing. It's not like you just pull up to the ledge and they're always biting and bam, bam, bam in the boat. Uh, It's really dependent on current. It's exactly how you set up. You know, you said it, Ben said he was frustrated because how he was set up. Well, maybe when Matt practiced, his magical cast was a totally different direction and angle than Ben's. And then, you know, Ben thought he had the magical angle. You know, sometimes both are right, sometimes both are wrong. Those fish could have very easily moved 50 to 75 yards, maybe 100 yards, and they could have both blanked. I mean, that happens a lot. 
Or and Panger could've... said when he pulled up, he started fishing there and he was catching walleye and sagai and other things and not bass. And then when he moved up, he did start catching bass. So, yeah. He was sitting where Ben felt the fish were and Ben thought he could see him on his scope. And maybe Ben could tell they were bass. Maybe he couldn't. So, right. um, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because in the heyday here on Kentucky Lake, you know, we didn't have forward-facing sonar and all that. It's, uh, it's basically you run a cycle of different baits you side scan you find find the fish and you figure out what they're biting on sometimes they're they're moved you, you know you, that's why you saw like jason lambert and edwin evers and even kvd they scan 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 and fish for five ten minutes and don't get a bite you move on um wheeler's a lot different than kentucky lake you know you got this big area known as the decatur flats and that's where your ditches your stump rows road beds and it's a big area but it still fishes small um, whereas Kentucky, like, dude, there's ledges from the dam all the way to New Johnsonville, Tennessee. And even an open, it will kind of fish small, but you can get away from people. And if you have a milk run, so I might have, you know, practice. We might find 20 schools of fish, and we'd always try to find a couple oddball places. Maybe you could find ones and twosies inside a bay or something where guys aren't fishing. So if you get a late boat number, you got something to fall back on. So, you know, our plan was always, if we don't get an early boat number, we're going to go topwater fish and pick off three or four. And sometimes that worked really good. And then, then you got nine hours to catch a kicker or two. So, you take, and they don't always kick that current on at nine o'clock in the morning. It might be 1231. And some people get really frustrated and they go to bank beating and all of a sudden it's glory hole. It's open. You just pull in. But, the one thing I saw, I saw a lot of people talk about, oh, it's a community hole and all that. Um, I don't agree because it's a community hole. It shouldn't be you, everybody can fish it at the same time. To me, community hole means it's a place where people fish a lot. doesn't mean they fish next to each other and, and you know, bump a trolling motors. Right. Community hole just means it's a place where it's on a map or people know. It gets fished a lot. But the one thing about, they're not community holes because you don't catch fish there. The community holes because people have caught a lot of fish there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in, in this widest bass schedule event, I mean, some lakes fish small, some don't. I, I don't know. I'm sure the Opens get a little bit of money for bringing a, a tournament to town. Oh, not absolutely. quite the scale the elites do, so I'm sure whatever... I would like to look at the they were taken out of through them 10 grand. I mean, it's just, it's economics and they said it was a beautiful, I mean, they both said one of the best ramps and facilities they've oh, used ever was that 12 wide ramp that they took yep. out of, which was probably right in it's Decatur. It's a five there, star so. bass fishing boat ramp. I've been there. It, it's, it's elite, you know, uh, I would like to see the logistics on an open versus uh, elite series on the economics wise. Cause you gotta think about this open. You're bringing co-anglers 200 plus boats. So that's double, triple the hotel rooms. Double, yeah. triple gas spent, uh, food, lodging. Um, yeah, I think the direct impact for an open would be much greater. But the mm -hmm. indirect, right, with the publicity and right. the the exposure is you pay for the tour level, like the elites, right? Correct. <clears throat> yeah, now if they ever get to where they're live streaming the opens, you know, can't, you know, five or six, you know, bass live in the open, I could see it uh, really yeah. getting some play. And they started playing these things years ago. Um, they don't, you know, I mean, Wheeler could have, you know, 
had more grass or less grass, which would have made it fish bigger or whatever. So those things happen. Um, Brian, I have not fished Wheeler. I fished Wilson. I fished Pickwick. I fished Gunnersville. Um, but it's, so it's a kind of time of year too. Was basically just, the Wheeler was basically the armpit of the TVA. Like right. you, the the time I fished is like Kentucky Lake has been the last three or four years. Where the, where's the freaking bass at? I mean, it looked gorgeous. It, I mean, you don't fish any different than Kentucky Lake or Pickwick, but it really wasn't that fun. In the last year or two, it caught, it's caught fire. Now it's got grass, and it's got a lot of gizzards and thread fin, all that stuff that we lacked, and uh, it didn't get the pressure that Gunnersville, poor Pickwick, is getting beat like a redheaded stepchild. Right. And it's, I mean, it's about there. It's about to be Wheeler, <laughs> the old Wheeler. Yeah. So, but it's interesting though because as I was growing up, you know, Kentucky Lake was in this downturn when I really started learning ledge fishing and all. And then about 2005, man, it started getting a little better. And then 2008 to 12, it got pretty dang good. Like it was fun. That that was when you caught those 70 to 100 fish days. Mm-hmm. But people forget those weren't all three five pounders. They're mostly 14 to 16 inches. Then you have 2014 to 2017, the heyday. Anybody could come out here, throw a big worm, a football jig, and a crankbait and catch 20-plus pounds on community holes. Or you just, hey, look, a rock pile. Oh, there's a road bed. We'll just fish down this. And boom, you run into a school. So I think in the next two, three years, you're going to see some shifting on the Tennessee River. I think Kentucky Lake's going to go way up on the list. If even it's just for the smallmouth, dude, we got them. That's a hot take. I'll say in three to four years, Kentucky Lake will be back as the premier Tennessee River Lake. Sorry. That's fine. I was trying to get something queued up for the next sure. Next hot take. So, um, These comments are great tonight. Yeah, people are involved, uh, interactive tonight. That's awesome. Colby says, we have club rules that basically state if you can cast to other anglers' boat, they can be disqualified. Our lakes here are tiny, so we have a ton of these issues. What if you got those speed spool bearings and you can cast like a hundred yards just flicking your wrist? Yeah, and there has to be a cutoff because you know I could tie a ten XD on and just with a ten foot cranking rod. Oh, you're de- you know decute myself here. Clay, I don't think you remember right. I think Starks beat KBD. Correct. That's I think Starks even Starks uh, was a KBD did smack. in the morning. He said KBD who as he was going out boat number one with KBD right behind him and he held him off. I'm trying to think of another uh, the Wheeler event. I it was remember the, the Takahiro one one where he blew everybody's doors off. Yeah, with Wheeler. this guy. Yo, uh, he was throwing the Bass Pro XPS black and white one, and dude, he had welded that sucker together. What's really cool. So, I should say this to another hot take, but everybody's all about the mag draft. It's got the harness system, dude. This bait right here is one more money than a mag draft, and it has a harness, maybe not a magnet. But uh, Takahiro actually made his line through. He said, I only got like three left. I only got like three left, so I had to make a line through. Dude jumped on him. All right, go ahead, Hill. I'm sorry. He, he did start with a spook, but then I think he ended up he, – he mixed in a spook as well. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a mixed mix deal, but that base won a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I may sell it, Bob. Um, 
you need to jo download whatnot. I'm going to start doing live tackle auctions on whatnot probably next week. Never even heard of whatnot. What is whatnot? So whatnot is a live auction website. Uh, it's basically eBay. You can download an app on your phone. Um, find it through the app store. It's W-H-A-T-N-O-T. I'll pull it up on my phone if I can remember my passcode. And so, like, I'll be doing a live stream, and I'll have X amount of products set up. And... And so, like here on, there's fishing. There's people that I think the Guggen Squad, Rob Turkle, is in there because he's now into sports cards, and I'm sure he knows a lot about sports if you know what I'm saying. But so, basically, it'd be like eBay. So I'll list the item. Let's say I put up the Babe there, and I'll say, "Hey guys, this is the Babe." Blah blah blah. We're going to start this auction at ten bucks. You get signed up. Uh, you bid. You link your card to it. You win. I ship it out. And so it's like it works. So eBay kind of Live, a short like auction for like the hour that you're streaming. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not going to sit there and, and stream for an hour begging people to buy bait. This, you know, this is, you know, I might have a predetermined list of what I'm going to sell off, and we'll go from there. Uh, but yeah, I can see. I, I, I want to see how it goes for you. You can test it out. But I can see like, what if we down the road we both do this and we both have some dates and we both have some auction that could be a lot of fun well i really uh, wanted to talk to you about that off the stream but uh i, I like where you're going with that you know I, yeah. obviously you could have certain themes like uh you know this is we're trying to soft plastic sell off or old sure. school night or you know right. whatever that'd be cool right, anyways let's get back to the hot takes yeah clay we have not gotten to the bernie bernie beef we'll call it the burn beef uh, but based on the voting, actually, before we get to the voting, I want to take care of one thing here. Ready to reel in your next uh, home purchase or refinance? Supreme Lending's Dream Team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hellebath. He trusted us to help finance his home. Hey, look at that Contact guy. the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. So, uh, is Drew Cook mad that you're in that commercial and you're not a pro angler? Yeah, maybe. He might be. Yeah. So, sorry, Drew. I had to. Well, that, we could add that one. That could be a bonus, uh, bonus beef. I didn't bonus think beef. of that one. But uh, yeah, so if anybody, obviously, Dream Team Supreme Landing helping out the show, run by a buddy of mine that is into bass fishing tournament fishes. And uh, so, you know, if you happen to be looking for a house in the near future, give them a shot. So, but otherwise, yeah, we'll get back to the fishing. You know, it's funny. Here. My mortgage guy is a huge bass fisherman, too. You know, it's, it's crazy how tight those circles are. So. Yeah. What did I say? The somebody's like OG Vixenite. I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could find some OG paychecks. We could do something like I can, I, I have enough OG Vixens now that I could be like, well, if we hit three hundred live viewers, I'll throw an OG Vixen on whatnot, <laughs> something like mm -hmm. that maybe. But we'll see. Um, yeah. So the next thing that people want to talk about uh, is the Poche thing. So if you haven't seen that, I'll pull up the video here. 
because uh, I think if nothing else, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, a visual here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we will added Talladega Nights there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's physical concrete that he jumped. It is a spillway type dam situation. There is some rollers on it, but yeah, he was not s- using the rollers. Yeah, I don't see nothing. Just to but be clear, I know what you're talking about. So this was in the uh, Toledo Bend Open that Ben Milliken won, and mm-hmm. Keith Pochet finished 29th, 28th, cashed a check. Um, he posted that clip that was done by a bystander because he went and like went up to the dam because he knew he was going to do it. He said, "Hey, and he y'all, wanted to make sure nobody was sitting on it, right?" And he's like, "Hey, just so you know, don't walk across the dam. I'm about to jump it." And the guy, of course, gets his phone out because he's like, well, I'm going to want to watch this, right? So he records it, and he tracks Keith down at the weigh-in after day one, and they do, like, some kind of airdrop, some kind of gets him the video, and then uh, Keith posts it to his social media. And then uh, Bass uh, sees that video, and they determine that that was a rules violation, and I think he just lost his day one catch. Correct. (laughs) And that... uh... Yeah, so... All right, this may make some people mad. Um, hope we don't lose any viewers. And I say this is I have nothing against Keith Boucher. Okay, number one, if you're fixing to do something like this, why would you not call the tournament director and say, "Hey, here's what I got in front of me. According to the map, it's not off limits. If I jump over here, am I DQ'd or not?" Two, if there was rollers. Why didn't he use the rollers? So then you got another possible rule violation of irresponsible driving because you got a co-angler with you. If he gets hurt, that's not a good deal. If you use the rollers, you're kind of operating how you're supposed to be. Uh, Four, I didn't like how Keith handled it, taking his social media and basically trying to get a mob of people against bass now could bass handled it a little bit better yes i think they could have been a little bit more black and white there is gray area there however if you spend your time trying to find gray areas and not fishing that's a problem like i like keith but he's always been in this gray area he's been dq'd this is not the first time i think he's dq mlf as well to make this fair but after a couple days kept on and on and at the weigh-in you know he's like hey chase anderson come talk to me blah blah and mercer handled it really professionally called his weight out said thanks for fishing with us blah blah and walked off stage i kind of thought it was a little too much kind of unprofessional you know you owe it to your sponsors to the fans no matter your feelings or, or I know, we know they're hurt or upset well, let's just you know Sometimes it's just better to take the high road. You know what I mean? And I mean this with all due respect. That is a lot of drama to cause for someone that finished 29. I saw that it took food off my family's plate, blah, blah, blah. Bro, that check ain't that much for 29th place. And if that spot was a glory hole that you had to get in there, it, it, it didn't have them. Probably should have been out fishing uh, where Ben Milliken was because he was hammering. Yeah, so 
I, I pretty much agree. And I actually like listening to his logic when he did the breakdown on Duncan's show. I think his logic was sound, and I think he had pretty good reasoning why he thought it was a legal move. It was legal waters. And I mean, I think his logic's good, but it, it all comes right. down to if you're going to do stuff like that, why don't you just call the tournament director, right? Yeah. And and it's like you constantly live in this gray area and you don't call the tournament director. Things are sometimes going to go your way like they did on the Red River and sometimes they're not going to go your way on things like this because you're not, you know. So, I mean, that's that's what it basically comes down to. Whether you agree or not on the ruling, I can see it either way, to be honest. Right. But – um. So we're probably not having this conversation if he calls and right. they say no. Then he knows 100%, oh, yeah, I'm getting DQ'd. Or they say, yeah, that's fine. And then he does it and he finishes 29th. All is happy. He's got a really cool video on social media of him jumping. Uh, the other thing I saw, and this has been a big hot topic, is, well, the reason he was DQ'd is because Bass hates – uh, 10 boats and they want you to buy a forward facing sonar um, I think that's 100% uh, 10 hole 10 full conspiracy theorists our classic winner just had a freaking walleye boat uh, Gussie and a Lund that's an aluminum boat Jason Christie won a classic and an express Menendez used a 17 foot John boat uh, years ago uh, to win at Darnell going you know Snuck under a bridge, let the tournament director know, hey, is this legal? Oh, yeah, it's legal fishing waters. If you can get under there, you're good. So, and all the major sponsors, Skeeter, Ranger, Triton, they all make an aluminum boat. Bass doesn't care if you buy a fiberglass boat or aluminum boat. They just want you to buy their uh, magazine, be a member, and they're not going to say hey rich you're running a, a camus by the way we're not going to take your entry fees because they're not a sponsor dude they'll take your entry fees as long as you got the money i promise you so i, I don't agree with all that yeah so it, it is legal water when the water's up you can get in there honestly if he takes the rollers I maybe he doesn't get de- he might not have got dq'd honestly um yeah. there are cricks there is water depending on the water levels that you can get in there. Um, so there's a little little spot here on Barkley Lake. It's called, I shouldn't really say this because it is a sneak hole. But when the water's up, there's a little bay called Honkers Bay. And it's public access. But you can only get into it when the water's about three to four foot over summer pool. So it doesn't get fished by bass boats very often. Now, during a tournament several years ago, the water was six foot high. We were able to float across the dam in there and catch 20 pounds. It was unreal. Probably the best chatterbait I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but that water started going down a little bit during the day. We we had to get out of there. Um, but that was legal water. We actually asked the tournament director the morning of and said, Hey, this is where we plan to fish. Is this legal? And he said, If you can get in there without having to get out of your boat, it's legal. Fair enough. But... You know, if we'd had to jump across it, you know, that's, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a, you know, it's in the LBL, actually, in the fishing hand guide or whatnot, LBL, it says that you can access Honkers Lake by boat only if you can get float across that dam. So, anyway. 
Let's see here. A couple uh, <clears throat> follow-ups here. Tom's out on the water. Hope you're catching him, Tom. What's up, Tom? Tom, I got to get, uh, get your bait out to you. Get that done. I, I would imagine his DQ would have lost, or his... I would imagine that, yeah, you, when you get DQ'd as a boater, you typically DQ your co, I think, for these types of things. Yeah, so that sucks. I mean, what's that co-angler going to do? I yeah. mean, you could say no. You could say, I'm not going to sign your weigh-in slip if you do that. I mean, but that's kind of a turd move. I mean, unfortunately, you're at the mercy of the boater there. Because even if, yeah, because honestly, because if the co didn't report him, <laughs> that also could potentially make the, the, the Q get... Uh, get the, the the code get dequeued um there's a danger thing too here i don't know you could argue that safety it's definitely a real thing i mean you know um that's kind of what i, I thought you know what if my son is in there with him right or yeah my dad unfortunately my dad passed but you know what i'm saying and he doesn't hit it at the perfect angle that thing's concrete gets thrown out somebody's paralyzed or killed right. <clears throat> mm. um i, I do think Poche to some degree dabbles in these gray areas and doesn't call the tournament director for some of this spotlight. That's speculation, but it kind of feels that way at times. You want to hear my conspiracy theory? I think it's awful funny that all this come out weeks after a tournament where all the publicity went to Ben Milliken, who is mostly known as a YouTuber who won an open. And I do know for a fact there was a lot of pros that were very unsettled by all the exposure bass and media was giving Ben and not other guys. I mean, I do think they did a really good job talking about like Trey McKinney and other guys that did really good in that open, but there's some OGs and other guys that were kind of upset. Like if this guy didn't have a million YouTube followers, no one would care. You know, bass wouldn't be doing this. They're trying to get the wrong demographic involved and, Maybe it was a ploy to take away from people shining light on Ben. Like, hey, look what I did. Let's get some people really stirred up. If you want to talk conspiracy theories, here we go. Yeah, we're not talking about Keith if he doesn't. If he calls the tournament director, we're not talking about him, regardless of what they said. Correct. Um, Again, you heard Drew Cook. We got a guy that's not a pro listed as a pro in an orking commercial. And, like, I like Drew Cook. I think he's a hell of a fisherman. And from everything I've been told, he's a great, good guy. But if I go ask Joe Blow down the street, have you ever heard of Joe, uh, you know, 21-year-old kid, have you ever heard of Drew Cook? Who? Uh, you ever heard of Ben Milliken? Oh, yeah, I watch his stuff all the time. That, And, you know, it's just how it is right now. <laughs> yeah. I actually, and I, I kind of agree. I, I like Poche. I like what he's, I mean, I don't know. I guess I like what Poche's doing, and yeah, I like absolutely. his style, and I appreciate that, but he does a lot of dumb stuff, which makes some of that unlikable. And, yeah, he's, he's bringing it on himself, for sure. Yeah, so I like that, that, that approach. This, the tin rig and the gator tracks and fishing on the edge. And, you know, he definitely fished his strength, so Keith Poche is not going to go out idle a bunch of ledges on the Tennessee River. He's going to go find, you know, a hole in the wall, get backs in the creeks, docks, and, and fish his strength. And I love that, you know, and he's not shy about it. But sometimes that can work to your disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, ben Milliken, 100% moves more product than Drew Cook. 
Ben Milliken moves a lot of product. Um, maybe if Drew Cook wins a classic on a readily available bait, then maybe he's got a chance. But until then, it's Ben Milliken. He did sell, Drew did sell a lot of fighting frogs when Drew, he won. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying Drew doesn't move anything, but Ben sells more product than Drew Cook. And I like Drew Cook. Um, the Swindle comments. I think Swindle's comments were pretty. I thought it was fair and balanced. Yeah, and I, mean, I know uh, the dude's the dude's been DQ'd. If anybody's going to know the rule book, it should be somebody that's de- been DQ'd before. I know Ed uh, <clears throat> mentioned that you know guys have been jumping stuff for years, but the, the the rules have also changed. The rule book isn't the same that it was in the '90s. So Correct. I haven't read. You know, G-Man held up the rule book in his Facebook video. I've never read that rule book, so I guess... I have not, but I know a guy yeah. who's got a couple copies I could just skim through real, real quick. But in that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that comment. People have been, have been doing that for a long time, but rules have changed. Boats are faster now. Um, they're built different. Uh, bass boats now really aren't built to... <clears throat> take that kind of beating you know <laughs> um but uh, uh well you know, rules have changed subtly if you don't want to be called an effort you can you can join the visor gang you're more than welcome to join the visor gang I, i'm i'm a channel member bro Did i get a free yeah, sticker you can Anybody that hasn't sent me an email at contact at Rich Lingren that's a member that still wants their sticker, they can just maybe send next me time you travel through my area, I won't stand you up on a fishing trip. I'll just get one in person. There's that. That was that was that was a long time ago. I'm sure you'll be going my way. I saw a comment on here that I wanted to address. Uh, Ed, Edwin says there's no rule against it. While true, I saw a lot of people say this. Uh, well. You gotta have to disqualify people every time their boat gets out of the water. Or what about the locks? Or what about, you know? Uh, so you're not allowed to fish in the lock. And if you can't tell the difference between hitting a wave and your lower unit coming out of the water and jumping a levee, a concrete levee, I don't know what to tell you because that's two totally different situations. The reason locks aren't, um, you know, considered off limits. It's the same reason when you idle out in the morning in the marina, that water's off limits because mm-hmm. you're using that as a travel way. It's been designated by the tournament director as an off limits area. However, your boat, you know, you, you have to travel through it. Now, you can lock to some water that's off limits, but the lock itself uh, is, is not off limits. You never see anybody fishing in there either. Now, there have been tournaments of guys. I remember Scott Canterbury, Okeechobee. Uh, almost won a derby by fishing outside of a lock, but that water was legal. Inside was not. Brian, it's probably sitting in your mailbox because you're not at home. <clears throat> no, it, if it was dirt, it would still not be okay because he physically used his boat to leave the water, the tournament waters. And I don't yeah. mean getting airborne in tournament waters. I mean he physically left across dry land into another body of water. Yeah, I mean, blowing mud and sandbars, I, that, yeah. And I, and I don't, like I said, I, I think some of Keith's logic is actually pretty sound. Because, like, to what you're just saying, when you go through a lock, you're leaving tournament waters, technically. And so, like, if he uses the rollers, is it okay? I don't know. I'm not necessarily, but, like, anytime I'm doing something this great, I call the tournament director. That I mean, 
So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily 100% agree with Bass's ruling, but I do think it's defensible. So, I, again, again, it goes back to just you, – you, it's just you, – you call the tournament director. Just a phone right? call, like, man. I don't know. Just a phone call. So. There's been many times in life if I could have made a phone call. Yeah. It might have changed things. Uh, yeah, Tim Maynard, Gator Trucks are badass. One of my buddies at work, he's got one. He duck hunts out there. Sweet. And you're right. Poche really had the maybe one of the few rigs that could have done that in the tournament. So, uh, oh, and not completely jack. I mean, just about all of them could have done it. Just a matter of whether they would have been <laughs> their boat would have been told when they were done or not. Yeah. Uh, Poche is the kind of guy that it would not surprise me if, like next year, he's got a airboat with a 502 crate motor in there, and just says, you know what, I'll go as shallow as I want to. And just, I mean, you know, just out of spite. But that, that this, you know, this was uh, intentionally going over dry land to access water. Correct. When Ike did it, and when I want to say Brian Schmidt did it, also Ray, Ray Hanselman last year. Right, no, it was Hanselman. That's who it was. That was not intentional. That was an accident. That they weren't trying to gain an advantage. So that Correct. that's different. Yeah, I mean, as silly stuff as Ike's done. Um, intentionally screaming and yelling, and I I didn't get mad when he threw the the you know the light pole that had the flag. I think he's just had a temper tantrum. He wasn't trying to you know do it on disgrace the U.S. on purpose. Is right. what was close, but there's a big difference between losing control of a boat and going on dry land or hitting a rogue, rogue wave, throwing your. Uh, remember Aaron Brett? What was that mm-hmm. last year? Year before? It was a couple of years ago now. I was still the pro circuit. Yeah, that yeah. was. Rest in peace, FLW tour. You know, he cut between another boat and a point, and that wave, it hooked him. They didn't disqualify him. I think he was even able to fish the next day, maybe borrow the boat. But, uh, you know, I was obviously, he wasn't trying to jump over the point. It's, yeah. I mean, I've watched that video a lot of times. It did not look like his kill switch was attached. Just uh, saying. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you, but you know, and, I, and I'm to the the opinion that I think we'll touch on this a little bit more. That I think sometimes the DQ is a little overused as punishment. We'll, yes, we'll come back to that. So I, I'm not even like a big like DQ guy. A lot of the times, I think it gets overused. Um, Just dock them some points and move on. Or yeah, we can talk about that. Um, but uh, so should we, should we now let's maybe touch on the I think next on the poll here. Is that the we talked to uh, the Bernie beef? Um, so I found a different way to pull this up. So we're gonna now share a different video. So what you're about to see here is Caleb Kufall in the Elite Series on Lay Lake is uh, in the right here, right? You can see him. He's got his Marshall. And they're pulling in on day two on a spot. Set down, getting ready to come up, getting ready to drop his troll motor in. And that is Bernie Schultz. That's my go-to. You got three on it. I'm not sure exactly 
how far we think that well, what would you say that distance is with a gopro camera yeah so gopros make things look farther than they are too um, i feel like he's probably 25 30 yards that's about what i was about to say 25 yards i think calic probably could have winged a spinnerbait not a crumb i mean i think like a little bait. roll-handed cast to the back of his boat right Mm-hmm. yeah so i like bernie and so, and if you, I don't know if you could hear, but what Bernie said is, Caleb, this is where I caught all my fish yesterday and then just cut them off. Yeah, I don't agree with it. And not only does like wake washes them, sets down right on top. I mean, like when he sat down, I bet you he was like <laughs> pretty darn close to the right side where you can't see in the field of view. Like, I think he uh, did one of those moves where you set it down, you kill the motor, and you know the boat's just going to keep on propelling out. There. Yeah. I've done that, you know. Obviously, not on top of somebody like that, but uh, so I like Bernie for his knowledge of old baits. He's a bait connoisseur. He's got all kinds of antique baits. Um, that's not cool. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know, hey, I got the early boat number. I'm showing up here first. All that. I think that could have been handled way different, and probably could have been a cool video of like. Hey, you know, this is Bernie. He caught him here, blah, blah. And, you know, he approached me like a gentleman. We decided to figure out how we can both share this water. And we both caught him. It was a good day. Instead, we got this video. And, and Caleb handled himself pretty professionally, really. He really didn't say a whole lot. He just, you know, whatever. But, man, so I would not be happy if somebody did that to me. So Caleb left. Didn't even fish. Caleb initially posted this video to, I think, his Facebook and then took it down one day later and then kind of just put up an explanation video of how he was frustrated and basically said, you know, this, this is not how I want to be treated. This is not how I will treat other people. Basically kind of gave him the the guilty dad talk to Bernie uh, via follow-up video and took it down and basically took the high road. He took both the high road on the water and afterwards for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dude, I'm not gonna lie, it's really hard to take the high road a lot of times, especially when yeah. you're in the right. So I, I think Kufal got hosed here. And Kate, I think somebody asked here, did did anything happen to Bernie? No, because uh Caleb didn't didn't raise a stink, he didn't protest. Uh which I think I don't know what would have happened if he did. This is definitely only sportsmanship would be the rule that it would come under. Right. Now, and, and I think, so Kufal didn't fish this on day one because he had a terrible boat draw. Um, and he saw he saw there was a boat here, which was probably Bernie when he drove by. And uh, he comes here to start day two, and then Bernie comes in and cuts him off. Now, I think they both could have fished here. I definitely don't think Caleb is in wrong anyway for trying to start here. No. Um, I think if Bernie comes in a little less hot, pulls up next to Caleb, right? And be like, Hey, this is where I caught him yesterday. I want to fish in here. Can we work together? Can we divide this up? Do you want like up to this point? I'll take from this point to this point. You want to go in first? I'll follow you. Like, mm-hmm. but to like, just come in and cut somebody off and then just be like, I caught him here yesterday. And then like, just, that's just not cool. Someone once uh, told me you kill way more bees with honey than you do vinegar. I think you get more bees with honey. Than yeah, well, yeah. Kill, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Right. Uh, yeah, just the way he, Bernie looks really bad here. And yeah, I'm not met, sure if he would have got I've penalties. Met but this several is just... times. He's a, a nice guy. He does. Someone say 
no wonder he always looks pissed off. <laughs> I mean, he looked pissed off the first time I met him, but that's just, you know, women say they have RBF, resting bitch face. He's got resting Bernie face, so. Yeah, so. Um... I agree with Gary. Gentlemen would have tied, would idled up, asked to fish that spot. Bernie didn't get the minnow. I mean, TK Bernie does it wears a it's like a ping golf visor. It's not even it's almost like a lady's visor. Nick, that was a weird interaction we had on Big Vermilion on Monday. <laughs> With your trolling motor driver. Um not all people it's it's the people that buy visors that do this, not the people that make their own visors. I I'm retired visor gang. I bet you can find some visor pics of me on Facebook and some uh, past photo albums where I've got the skeet reese, you know, kind of slicked it back, spiked the front of it, make it look nice. I ain't got no damn hair anymore. Maybe maybe you'll be in a future TikTok, Nick. <laughs> so Nick's uh, Nick was fishing with a guy in this tournament, and uh, they were coming around this island. I was fishing with Brian, who's in the chat here, um, and he was – it's kind of like he was coming around one island and we kind of came up like they were fishing the, the bank. So I came up like between the islands to fish some boulders out in front and kind of went to the right. And all of a sudden his boater, as I'm literally hooking up on a three pounders jerk bait, his boater turns his trolling motor and goes between me and the bank right over where I just caught that fish. It was really awkward. Um, and I, and I don't blame you, Nick, but it was really a weird situation. Um, and then I caught another three pounder right after he, you went by so uh but to the visor question uh it's all right nick um the visor gang is a state of mind you don't necessarily have to have follicles and you don't have to wear a visor it's more of a it's 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 it's, it's a community it's like being an mf or or a what, what do we call the the bait do we have a bait uh channel bait squad or the masturbators what do we what do we call bait man <laughs> I think we're all masturbators. It's been in here. I know. I know your. I know your clan, Rich. They all buy a lot of tackle. Um, I don't know. I just bait squad, bait gang, whatever, jank gang. Just a bunch of junkyard dogs is what it is. Nice. Uh, got over two hundred between the two channels tonight. Rocking and rolling tonight. Good job, guys. To we got a lot going on. I think like. Alabama Bass Councils live on TikTok. I love watching Slick Johnson. I'm like addicted to watching him. Uh, uh, and Stray Cats is uh, Stray Cats is live, and uh, something else was going on. So I'm glad you guys appreciate watching old redneck and a Yankee like Rich talk about <laughs> hot takes. And I say that with all due respect, Rich. No, no problem. Um... Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it, Michael. I wish I could trademark it. Now. So there was one more thing that we had. Well, I guess we had, and we kind of touched on the Drew thing, but uh, the other thing was the, the, I don't know how many people caught this, but so Boy Duckett coming into owner, operator, president of the Bass Pro Tour uh, got a 10-minute penalty on Gunnersville because he was crappie fishing crappie fishing i don't know uh 
during the off limits on Gunnersville. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my whole life. With no disrespect to Boyd, but uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: you can be crappie fishing and you can be bass fishing at the same time. You just might I mean, have crappie baits tied on. I mean, that's the thing: is like, has anybody ever caught crappie where bass weren't nearby? Yeah, someone t- said, oh, crappie don't live where bass live. That's bullshit. I've caught many, many bass out of a brush pile that's holding crappie. Or KGB wouldn't sell that many crappie swim baits if bass didn't like to be around crappie. So, And I think Matt Allen and others have done whole videos on how they target crappie schools for looking for the biggest bass on the lake. <coughs> yeah, maybe he was testing out a new Chad Chad knockoff. I don't know. <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, so that goes to show you sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. And, you know, do you think Boyd's going to kick himself out of the BPT if he's dead last? Probably not. I mean, I saw someone ask about uh, Bass uh, kick out the last three on the leech. Yeah, I think it, the bottom three in point standings after three years, if you've been on three years and you're in the bottom – your invite's no good anymore. Um, yeah, I guess. I think that's. Is... I think that's fair. I mean, that's one you got to keep fresh blood in. Uh, some of those guys could use legends exemptions. You know, obviously Rick Clun can use a legend exemption. Technically, if you want to get really technical about it, Boyd Duckett could use a legend exemption to fish bass because he won the classic. I don't think it would be accepted, but um... no, no. Uh, but back to this, yeah. Uh, the whole Bassmaster thing and their points is still a little muddy on how they calculate. It's very complicated. I wish they would publish like a running list and so it was more clarity. But anyways, but this like, so I guess whether he was on his dock, I guess if he was only fishing on his dock, I could maybe see it, but I still don't think right. 10 minutes is like nearly severe enough. I don't know that he should automatically be DQ'd, but like if you're fishing, whether it's on a dock or a boat or you're crappie fishing, if you're on the water, you're seeing birds, you're seeing bait, you're seeing activity you're seeing if the crappie are coming i mean like it's giving you info to get your mind turning so like there is that even if you're booze cruising to a dinner spot on a pontoon you're seeing things on the lake that you cannot unsee that are judging how you're going to approach the lake right now if they would have got an hour penalty that's kind of stiff in mlf an hour penalty yeah i probably wouldn't say too much but because i guess up until this year, what I heard is they actually had a rule where you could be on the lake as long as you weren't fishing, and they just changed it this year. So supposedly he forgot that they changed that, but I don't know how the owner, operator, president forgets that. But I guess, I mean, so there is a little more to the story maybe that, but still, it yeah, it, it's hard to say that if this was, um, I don't know, Tommy Biffle or uh, i don't know uh adrian avena or i don't know some other yeah i'm trying to think of some random mlf dudes i don't want you know it wouldn't happen to jake and wheeler yeah i'm just thinking like if it wasn't one of the the owners or somebody that's you know doesn't i don't know uh bertrand guy does pretty well not a huge name like does he get more than a 10 minute penalty i feel like he would it's hard to Mm -hmm. say um yeah, I agree with Steve. He says he should lead by example. You know, he should just, hey, I made a mistake, man. But, yeah. 
I yeah. get it. You I, mean, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't think IMAC DQ is necessary, but I don't think 10 minutes is nearly enough. But I do think this sets a weird precedence now that if somebody wants to go out there and drive around and say they were fishing mm-hmm. for crappies, now are they going to like push the envelope based on that's the problem? The precedence it says for 10 minutes. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, these lakes that fish small, Hey, I'm, I'm in 44th place. I got to make that cut line, but hey, I got 10 minutes to be a hoe buzzard. I'll go run up and down the lake real quick. Beep, 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 beep. Come back. All right, let's go fishing. You could do that. I agree with a couple people saying this. Like, I think he, I don't know how he can himself accept that as the penalty and be like, no, you need to punish me harder just so that our league doesn't look like a joke. I mean, that would be the right thing to do. Like, hey, fudge guys shouldn't have been doing that i want to self-impose a one hour penalty and i think people be like hey yeah you screwed up you should have known better but you know it's kind of like uh how i feel about the ncaa when they like to put the hammer on schools like tennessee but hey we already self-imposed penalties and did all this and that uh we knew we messed up we made a big mistake but like and and this i was kind of touched on this before like i feel like uh What's his name? The guy from Louisiana that went out on Hartwell inadvertently, like for, uh, what's his name? I can see his face. He turned himself in because he went out and he got like he he went out like right before the off limits, uh, or he thought it was the last day before the cutoff, and um. He, out after being out there for a few hours, he's like, I am not seeing any other bass boats or any other wraps it caused him to double check. And then he realized he was out on the water, basically, um, you know, three hours after the, the, and he got DQ'd for the entire tournament, which to me, logically, if you're out for a half day during the off limits at the, at the, you know, it's not, we're not talking about before that, like the week of the tournament, we're talking 30 days prior. Like it was Derek Hudnall. That's who it was. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't they just put him in timeout for practice and dock him four hours of practice during the official practice? Wouldn't that right. have been a, a way more just penalty than a DQ, which wipes out his chances at a classic? It wipes out his chances to cash a check. Like, what 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 did he gain inadvertently fishing for three or four hours thirty days ago? That four hours during official practice is so much more valuable. That seems like Correct. such more reasonable than just an automatic DQ for an entire event, or give him. They can lose one full day of his two and a half days of practice. Like, mm-hmm. like nobody's going to intentionally take that trade. Yeah, let's not ruin a guy's season over something. Yeah, like I mean, that. You, you could. Put, I mean, we could actually like ruin his season potentially. His, I mean, like a lot of these guys, like it's a fragile ecosystem. Like, mm-hmm. ruining a season then could then ruin your career. Could like, ruin you don't your make a classic. Account. You don't right. Like, you don't make a five thousand dollar check. Then you don't make the classic. That's fifteen thousand. You don't get re-upped on your deals. Like, it's. It was a complete overreach, I think, and not a just penalty. I mean, it's just knockoff lucky craft and bullshit. Right. It's... I mean, John, I agree, right? It's got to be, like, within the range, but it, it should be, like, it can't be so severe that it shouldn't be detrimental, but it should be, like, what I said, like, would you trade four hours 28 days ago for four hours of official practice? Nobody would take that. Right. But like 10 minutes during a BPT event, that is just, yeah, that doesn't deter anybody from doing anything. So that's the problem. 
I agree with you. I, I, do you think these organizations are using the DQ like some of the zebras use that? Team up, team up. Sometimes I feel in college sports so many times that the refs, umpires, zebras, sometimes they're trying to be bigger than the game. You know, you get to that critical moment. Oh, let's throw a flag or you're out of here. Man, come on. Just I mean, let them, let them play. I mean, I think it'd be more interesting, like, use the penalty box more. Have people sit for 30 hour, right? And then put the live camera on them and have them talk about it, <laughs> right? Like, okay, now you're just going to, you know, and like, I think that'd be more interesting for live, for the fans. Um, I don't know. I see a lot of talk about Toby Keith buying Lucky Strike. Yeah. Well, I hope it's a sign that he's healthy and getting on yes. the mend, right? Because wasn't he fighting stomach cancer or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, you know, Toby Keith, I mean, old school country singer. Hard for me to say old school. I mean, I'm 37, but it seems like in middle school he was banging. Um, yeah. Love but, me some Toby Keith. So I love Lucky Strike, you know. One of my favorite words, the worm. The original ringer, Lucky Strike. That's that's my favorite ledge fishing worm of all time, and they're hard hard to get because they just don't make many anymore. They make a lot of the smaller ones, but that nine and a half inch one they don't make, and that's why I stocked up on them. the baby Huey worm. Uh, the then you know you had the Rick Klein RC one five two five Lucky Strike fiasco, but. You know, that's just a company that's flown under the radar. I think where they make their money rich is selling that stuff to Walmart in those pre-rigged packs or little pro pack Lucky Strike Carolina yeah. kit. You know, Which I think, like I mean, it's it's no different than, <laughs> I mean, like bringing those eyeballs and having mm -hmm. some of that money. I mean, that's, that's I mean, there's no downside to Toby Keith buying into a fishing tackle company. For How many of his country music fans are going to be like, oh, hell, Toby, that's awesome. I'll go buy some. A bunch of them. I mean, love him or hate him, a Luke Bryan signature bomber crankbait sell the hell out of him. Yeah, and if somebody gets into fishing because of it, then yeah, then they can I watch mean, the Bateman stream I, and uh, everybody wins. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, when's the last time someone really outside of fishing bought and invested in a company? Um, Bo Jackson. Everyone knows Bo. He uh, is an investor, part owner of this Asian carp processing plant down the street from me. I think cool. that's cool. A guy like Bo Jackson putting his money into something like that. Maybe it's not baits or tackle, but it's obviously something that's trying to help better our lake ecosystem and also provide food for your dog. James says he caught a big one on your Colorado spinnerbait, that chick. That's nice. I like the Colorado spinnerbait, dude. I love spinnerbait. Is that, is right, that one a, of your... Here's uh, a hot take. I think spinnerbaits are back. Have you noticed that the chatterbait has really died down the last year or so? Start to see... I'm not saying it doesn't catch fish. What I'm saying is I'm seeing more anglers talk spinnerbaits, throw spinnerbaits. And what's crazy is actually you see a chatterbait really good on forward-facing sonar, but mm -hmm. you can see a spinnerbait really well. I think it's chatterbait's definitely a numbers deal, but I feel like that spinnerbait gets a bigger bite. Bob agrees. For whatever reason, I don't throw spinnerbaits up north. I only throw them when I go down south. It's in my head. It's like a mental thing. So speaking of swindle and chatterbaits, it's the first time I've ever seen a chatterbait 
Gerald Smuggle showed it to me. Hmm. So I went I went fishing before work. I was probably I, I was young, maybe nineteen. Terry Bolton took me first time Terry ever took me, and uh, we're idling out at Moore's and they're having the outdoor channel Ultimate Match Fishing, and uh, Gerald pulls up. Bolton says, "Hey Bolton, you ever seen anything like this? This is what they could catch them on. This dude, this is some ultra secret stuff." And he pulls uh, pulls it out. And I said, "A jig?" He said, "No, son, this ain't a jig. This is called a chatterbait." <laughs> he said. You're about to get a lot of money taken from you. I was like, okay. He throws it out there. He said, look at that rod tip. And it was just... I'm like, interesting. And Bolton looked at me. He was like, you can't believe a word that guy says. If only I would have bought about 200 right then. Yeah. There's a lot of people with stories like that. Like, I think Pete Klusik tells a story like that about that. And a few other people like that had them like super early. And they're like, this thing's stupid. And... Um, Ooh, there's a there's a little hot take. Blake says, should the rules for sight fishing, which basically means you have to hook them in the mouth, be the same as forward facing sonar? I don't think so. No. So I mean, I get it on a surface level. I can see where you can draw that conclusion. But after having front facing sonar for, I got it late last year. I've let's say I've got two months fishing it now. I. Pfft. Yeah, so how are you going to enforce that? Let's say a guy like Kelly Jay's throwing a jerk bait. Obviously, he probably uses front forward-facing sonar, and he catches one and it nose bombs it. It's hooked, and then a guy like let's say KVD, if they're fishing the same term, which it won't be, but KVD is not using forward-facing sonar, and he catches one and it's hooked the same way. Do you DQ both, or do you say, well, since you had forward-facing sonar? you're DQ'd, but KVD, you're okay because you don't, even though the bass is up the same way. That's where I would say it's really hard policing that. And the look, only thing I can catch on crankbaits hooked up that makes down. me nervous would be that big flutter spoon where they start putting the hooks on the nose and the sides, and it's got like four trebles hanging off a flutter spoon. Yeah. Yeah, maybe then, but that's about the only bait that I could really see where you have a legitimate shot. And you'd still have to be like – fishing a ledge school or something where they're really potted up because yeah. you are even with all those hooks you are not going to cast at a single fish and no and the way that big spoon works i've got one hanging around here somewhere but the way a big ben parker magnum spoon the og the original the best one in my opinion even though zaldane's got a new one out but ben is the original spoon man so when that spoon falls, it does not fall straight down. So if you go look at a fish on your active target or panty optics and you try to flip the spoon down, a magnum spoon, try to snag it, it's going to go. It's like stair steps. They call it a cradle. So it never falls straight down. It falls about two foot and then it'll do the shimmy and then it jets out. So you can actually throw it just right up by your trolling monitor. You can watch you can watch it on your live scope, and you'll see it'll go about twenty to thirty feet out. So if you make a long cast, it actually shoots way down. So it'd be really really hard to intentionally snag one. Saying that, I have caught several bass in the butthole on top of the head, you know, just with a regular treble hook. But they're all in tight, wadded up schools. And I think what happens is fish get fired up. You rip it off the bottom, and they see it falling. You get two or three trying to grab it at the same time, and one just gets hung. You know what the name of that one is? I think it was the one Cody Huff was throwing. The one that has, like, all the extra trebles on it. 
was it that Jinko spoon? Is that what it was? They made one where they like drilled out the center and put trebles hanging off it. I mean, I wouldn't want that because I think it would kind of hurt the action. And the other thing is like people don't realize like when you're looking through the cone or front face, when you're out 20 feet, your circle is like, if you yeah. see a dot, it's in a 10 foot diameter. Like, I think it's incredibly hard to snag a bass with live scope. Like, so I'm obviously at an OHIV when Milliken crushes all those fish and the six cents deal. And this the is my Dixie first jet. That's what it is. So I'm seeing fish. I'm reeling my A rig to them. And obviously, you get next to the fish, and I'm thinking, well, is he going to bite it? And you think your rig should be snagging on something. It's not. It's, you know, that fish is off four, five, six, seven, ten feet, maybe, because as that beam, it's narrow. And then just it, it widens, widens out. So what you see thirty yards in front of you, maybe seven, eight foot to the left or right. See, this one does make me a little nervous, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not throwing that. That, that sucker's getting. And I mean, if, if you had a pile of fish that were tightly wadded up, and you were throwing this, and you're catching them out of the mouth, I mean, you'd be Mike Long. That should say the Dixie Jet ML Talon Spoon. Man, they don't bite that big spoon here like they used to, but I think it's because our gizzard shad population went down. It's the funnest bite. Like, they'll absolutely stomp it. And you're thinking, man, three and a half ounce bait, how am I going to fill a bite? Because your rod's kind of bowed. And they just Look, went about. I had a couple people comment saying that uh, G-Man just put out a video about how a DT20 is so quiet, and you can snag deep Gunnersville bass with it on ledges. Uh, I saw an Instagram post. I don't think he meant literally snagging. I think he just meant you know snag me one out on ledge, as in, as in caught one. Poor choice of words. You're saying it, open to interpretation. You could, if you wanted to interpret it the wrong way, you could, you know, but. I didn't think that. If he had sure set hooks on there, he surely isn't snagging a bass. I can tell you that. <laughs> Junk. I feel like I need to watch the video now and hear it for myself. Yeah, I, and I agree with this Kenny Mint. He said it's still illegal to intentionally snag bass by any bass tournament rules and probably most state laws. Yeah, I mean, just ask uh, our buddy. This is what this is what Caleb Kufal should have had on the deck when Bernie took off. He should have sent one of these Dixie Jet talon spoons at his head. <laughs> yeah. What, what was Mister Snag? Uh, Jeff Sprague. Sprague them. And that was not with forward-facing sonar. That was with a floating worm, I do believe. I need to go watch this because people are saying that there's no misinterpretation. So, all right. Well, maybe it's when it was just trying to get some likes. Um, I mean, let's let's be honest. The video that he did on the Pochet response was absolutely clickbait to get views. And yeah, I mean, I, mean, I like Gerald, and he knows he's going to get views and comments and everything. I don't really disagree with him making it. Hell, I could have made the same video, but ain't nobody going to watch it. Yeah, I agree that in every fish count tournaments. Betting smallmouth is an issue, hundred percent. Yeah, I saw some 
Jack Leg made a big post on uh, Instagram here. I'm not going to mention his name. Let's see if I can find it. And he he had an issue with the angler supposedly cutting him off, and uh, I commented and it got deleted. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about, Rich. But uh, I've also come to this conclusion: there's a lot of people that are not wearing their five by three anymore. I see a lot of excuses and I, I do feel like because of social media, it's really easy to go out and blame somebody else for not being able to catch a fish, whether it's they're fishing too close or they cut me off or this or that, bro. Sometimes you just got to suck less. You just got to <laughs> catch fish. It does not matter. Speaking of five by three, what happened to that company? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't remember all the story, but I guess, that guy was a piece of work from what it sounds like. Dude, anybody see that dragonfly behind me? Oh, slap him in a mold and make a bait mayfly. out of him. It's a mayfly. Mayfly? Oh. I mean, the buzzbait bites. Darius, the buzzbait bite's about to go off on uh, mm -hmm. Kentucky. Yeah, our mayflies that you're me and Darius went out, it was like July before they were out. Almost August. That means night fishing's about to be hot. All right, any other hot takes? Anything else we can talk about? Oh, here's a hot take. I got to get my sponsor plug. Six cent sack. So if you got this this month, one, you got a Jaint Juice square bill, which is awesome. Uh, but well, Let me see that, Jaint. Oh, show me the Jaint Juice again. I want to. Never shows up good on camera. Look at that. Mm -mm. Yeah. They, they threw one in the sack. But how about this? What is your take? On red frogs I like that uh, natural brown one that's bro yeah like I've done really well on that one so this one's kind of brown it's got a red back what's the bottom it's got that like? natural bottom that whitish brown. <laughs> it's a yellow frog that's not a brown that's not that's a yellow frog it's kind of brown it's kind of brown it's just bad camera so <laughs> my favorite color jackal frog I love the gavacho is the red one. I've caught so many fish on the red gavacho. Yeah, actually, because it's not that warm here, I actually got my frog box here. So uh oh, yeah, like this. This is I do like this one. Yeah, so that's the guy that told me that's about a leaf. red frog. He was throwing that spro, which is truly not a red. So they call it a natural red or natural. Yeah, it's more of a brown. I know people think bottom is all that matters. I disagree with that. I, I do truly think there's a time and place that those fish want the side the, the sides flashing a little bit, especially if it's a walking frog. But there's something about that red when they're spawning here, they will eat it. Like I've never thrown the gavacho. God, the gavacho's badass. Like it is my favorite frog. They're just hard, but you know what's going to happen. Jackal is going to discontinue it. <laughs> but yeah, so it can't John be good if they haven't discontinued it yet. <laughs> That's true. They discontinue everything good. Uh, John says, depending on the frog size, make a difference. I, yeah, I'll agree with that. If you get a really heavy walking frog like a Slither K, but they don't really make a lot of crazy colors. I think it it does mat matter. What you, uh, what a matte frog. I don't think it. Can, if you're fishing mats. Uh, the bottom's all that matters. It may not even matter at all. Have you heard of the Toad Thumper? I got one. You want to see one? 
I heard I was listening to something. Where did I put that something? I must have been listening in audio only form because they were talking about it. Was it TK? TK, you were talking about the toe thumper. That's what it was. I didn't have your channel pulled up. I was only listening. You know, my frog box would be at the very freaking bottom of all this. Good thing I'm forklift certified, or I might not could have pulled that off. I think I got one. Rich's frog box is probably seen a lot more action than mine, I can tell you that. Uh, I had one in here. I probably got it in one of these tackle warehouse. Well, boxes. somebody says they don't like the hookup ratio with the Gavacho. So I like the hookup ratio. For some reason, they choke it here. That's why I like it. Uh, but I'm fishing in open water. Like, one of my favorite places to throw a frog this time of year is off the side of a boat ramp. For some reason, like, if there's a bass bed nearby on a boat ramp, they eat that frog. I've got a toe thumper somewhere. You can check out one of my no, tackle No toe thumpers at Omnia. You'll have to use uh, Bateman's link to tackle warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it real quick. It's a pretty cool frog. It collapses really well. So I heard TK say that he thought the hole was too small and that like the the air pressure like when he squeezed it. So they got two The problem is their black is too black, TK. They need more like marks on their black frog, right, TK? Yeah, so the guy that owns Whis or front man of Whiskey Myers um there's your link there in chat um that's his company toe thumper cody hmm. so i wish the true tungsten frog was still available that might be a whatnot I, I know you got them yeah i got an nf60 that's a sleeper frog yep oh blue one of my favorite colors too right there yeah, the, the gray. And this I'm one, not actually, sure. This one's quite a bit, too. Yeah, I got a solid white one. I got it from Clark Rain. These ones? Were they white white, or were they the white with these, like, red on them? Was it this, this white, or is it not? It's that one right there, exact one. Right here. Well, they had some long skirts on them. These ones have been trimmed. They did. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You can tell the difference between Rich's webcam and mine, too. His colors. He's got better light. This is a OSP diving frog. I think it's actually called a Kubota frog. Oh. I've thrown it a bunch, and they eat it. I've got teeth marks all over this. We only bring two tungsten frogs out for big derbies now. Yeah, they don't hold up real well, unfortunately. I mean, I've got a purple spro frog that somebody actually custom painted this. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, so I got the OGs in there. A little baby blue. My buddy Bray Anderson sent that to me. Yeah, it's a waste of silicone. We trim them down. I just haven't fished any of those. I have not seen the new Teckle Sharker. So it's kind of like the OSP diving frog. Like... You twitch it and it just sits there like a couple inches below the water and then it can bob up. It's pretty kind of cool. I would just, I'm not sure of the hookup ratio 
on that would be greatest. Yeah, dude, Reaction Invasion Swamp Donkey. It's a good frog. It's a really good mat fishing frog. There is differences between a mat frog and an open water frog. Yeah. I like that color. I threw that brown one until the I weight like was gone. Too. But it's got my own, I got my own custom skirt in this one. Mm -hmm. I had to redo the legs. Yeah, NF60 from Norris is a really good frog. It walks like a dream. I just wish... So I only got a window of about a month or two months where a frog can be a major player here. Um, but, so I've seen this on Facebook. Some dude was fishing around Blood River and caught a bunch of damn coontail with a crankbait. Well, yes, sir. Uh, now, like I said, three or four years can take you like that grass stays top of the chain put it back <laughs> don't stop ripping yeah. it up yeah fence that area Rip off that area alone. Up. Yeah. Uh, red jackal care frogs really good i love adepts buster k i did a stream before all all my frogs uh, i haven't bought any i like i if, i'm not a guy that fishes a frog a lot but i'm addicted to buying them when i find one that's cool i buy them Uh, Blake, did Fred Rabanis copyright the carpet on the back of the frog? Uh, that's an old school deal. So a lot of the old school frogs had stuff like that on them. And the culprit worms had it. Yep. Cul culprit had a worm as a sticky worm or something like that. I don't know. I might have took the, I might have took those out of my tournament box. I think I might have moved those to my like backup box, my Stanford frogs, because I am not a huge fan of the Stanford frog. What's your take on it? Not a big fan. It just. I mean, it's okay. The colors like, are cool. I like the colors. The design. Uh, the hookup is just not where it needs to be, in my no. opinion. I think what makes a frog really good for hookups is the hook and the angle. Like, I mean, to they me, they all compress pretty good, but you got to have the right hook. I like the Gavacho hook, and I'll be honest: for the money, it is really dang hard to beat a Spro frog. Pad crasher, even. Yep, pad crasher. I'll take and a pad crasher over a. Stanford boom boom frog all day. Yeah, so the pad crasher is, uh, you know, it doesn't have like this heavy duty tuna hook. It's almost a lot wire frog hook. Uh, yeah, I just for something that should be the boom boom signature frog for a guy that's won an elite series on a frog, that frog should be dynamite out of the package, and it's not. Bobby's perfect <laughs> frog from Snag Proof is probably one of the best that no one talks about. I mean, I don't think the Stanford frog cracks the top 10 for me. <laughs> like I said, no. I took them out of my tournament box. They're in my pre-fishing box. So I don't care if Pike eat them. Right. So AJ says, don't throw the big boy live target frog. And I actually w was a big fan of the evolved nervous walker, which is actually pretty similar to the big yep. uh, live target. So and this that... is one of the softest frogs with one of the biggest sets of hooks in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scum frog makes good frogs. Like, I got a whole box full of St. Junior over here. Um, they got good hooks in them. You know, you can throw them. I have not tried the launch frog. A lot of guys like that Terminator walking frog. I've got some of those. Um, I've had a big blow up on one. Um, I mean, I throw the six inch Vega frog quite a bit, but. Uh, there's, I had some hookup issues on it one time, but 
is mostly me. Um, I have to trim the legs a little bit more, but uh, I've caught them on it. Um, again, the one I catch the most on is a brown red one uh, and a black one. Um, I think frogs are one of those things like it's there's never you're going to get 500 opinions on what's the best. You know, everyone say you'll have your scum frog guys, your spro guys, your whatever brand oil guys, but uh, I think a lot depends on the fishing in an area. You know, if fish are really aggressive, sometimes I don't think it matters what frog you got, they just want to eat it. If they're yeah. kind of just going up there to check out the buffet not really want to eat a whole lot i think that's when it matters that hook makes a big difference and i think it matters to the degree like where you fish the cover you fish the forage your rod and reel setup your mechanics for setting the hook just like some people think snelling a flipping hook's amazing other people flip at, you know straight chain hooks with mm -hmm. or ring hooks or right? like if it works for you doesn't matter what i say the best frog is right that's there's 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 no nobody fishes the same nobody has the exactly. same hook set nobody has the same equipment so like there is no single right just like what you may think nikes are comfortable i may say adidas are comfortable our feet are not the same right like it's just no. <laughs> yeah i think that's kind of sometimes where i have a gripe with youtube and social media you know guys ask really loaded questions especially like on the swim bait groups and even the six cents page you know what's the best six cents bait well man it just depends on what style you like you know my favorite bait is the flat side f4 darius his might be you know the splashback popper and we could both make arguments for it but it really comes down to style and how you fish do straight shank hooks offer a better hookup ratio yes in theory the way they're designed uh, you're always at a hooking angle but there are times when you know Look, my dad used the EWG for so many years, and I really don't remember him losing that many fish on there. It's kind of like treble hooks. Do you want an EWG or do you want a, you know, round bend? There's a time and place for both. If you're a guy that uh, you don't have real sensitive equipment and can't feel the bite real well, I would recommend round bends. I feel like you hook more fish. But, uh, you know... Tacklecraft says he doesn't like super sticky hooks because he feels like if he's rubbing that square bill down logs and trees, he just hooks more wood. Yeah. So he'll just power up his rod and line, and as long as they're reasonably sharp without being super sticky, he'll just jam them home. So, like, yeah. I mean, there's there's pros, cons, trade-offs to everything, but guys like me and you, what we try to do is when someone goes, well, I just bought a spinnerbait, how do I Carolina rig that? We go, whoa. That's really not how you fish a spinnerbait. Now, there's yeah. many different brands out there, but we're not going to be Carolina rigging them today. But you go to a tackle store on a weekend, and you'll notice, you know, obviously I've worked with one for a long time, that not everybody watches YouTube. Not everybody reads Bassmaster. There's guys that just want to go out there and have fun and catch fish, but they're frustrated because they really don't understand that you don't put a bobber on top of a crankbait, you know, small things. I don't know, I'm very careful. Like I, I never. You, you rarely ever hear me say this is the best. Yeah. This is. I, I typically say, say my favorite for the way I fish, where I fish, how I like to do it. This is what works best for me. Like I, I'm very like particular in my words. I don't like to speak in absolutes, and I like to per speak from personal experience. So. Yeah, I always try to not. Me personally, like, 
when I said the Lucky Strike ringworm is the best worm ever weighed, that's for me. You know, obviously sentimental. I've caught tons and tons of fish. Power worm, excellent freaking worm. Millions of bass been caught on it. A net bait T Mac, a Zumo monster. You can get arguments everywhere. But, Ten inch power worm. Yeah. You know, they used to glue the tails, the old school power worm the tails were glued onto the bait. Hmm. Pretty wild. All right. I have not tried the haymakers. Have you got your hands on any? I haven't ever seen anybody in stock to buy. I haven't looked that hard, but. No, I like that owner uh, jungle EWG. It's a really good tube hook. I used to flip this straight chain jungle hook. Now I'm on this G finesse kick. So I bought those, these right here um, for a certain bait. These are expensive, but I got them on sale at Academy for like three bucks a pack. Well, as you're getting older, you need those that that coating so you can get the hook in. Yeah, I'll be 38 this year. I'm an old man, but these right here, these G Finesse heavy cover worm hook, I use it on that six inch crew because it's a really mm-hmm. small bait. And believe it or not, I don't actually flip that bait a lot. I'm actually casting it quite a bit, and but that it's kind of half tube, you know, and it's hard to find the right hook. But man, this thing's really nice, and I started using the three and four ones more on my creature baits. But that's my favorite flipping style hook right now. That one yeah. right there. I actually finally got my hands and like saw the crew in person at Shields not that long ago. I didn't buy any, but I was looking at them. I was trying to figure out if I could stupid rig them, but I didn't think I could. So. No, you can't do that. You can put uh, you know lead head in it, but I just do throw a quarter ounce tungsten weight on there, peg it. 12 14 pound line and just i'm just casting it and for some reason that little profile i think the way it kind of falls it has just enough glide dustin's off work we're just starting now folks uh-oh what's up dustin dude you talk about a dude with a beautiful freaking boat man i love his phoenix that purple well, i think you comment because my neighbor actually has one pretty similar my neighbor's phoenix has got that purple in it oh here, here. what about bass boat prices we might as well do. They're know, practically giving them away. I don't know why everybody doesn't have one. Yeah, 90K a pop. I mean. But it's honestly, boats have gone up, but it's it's the the standard rigging is though it's gotten out of hand, right. honestly, more than anything. like. So if you buy a bear, let's just say Camus, if you just bought the boat, no electronics, just a standard trolling motor, I think you can get in a brand new CX-21 for what, 70K? Maybe Probably less. in the ballpark. Maybe less. If you got a dealer. It would literally be motor, uh, starting battery, <laughs> like maybe a trolling motor, maybe not. Yeah, like, yeah. No yeah, grass. So when I bought no, my no ZX. Holes, no, yeah. I bought my ZX 225 in 2005. I don't know, 2006 is brand new. Showroom floor, I think. Is forty three thousand. That's what I paid for it. That boat right now is sixty five k. So this is six years different, Dustin. But your standard did you did you equip it the same? Did you order it with graphs? Because like in two thousand sixteen, you probably like rocked it out with uh, Gen one HDS eights, and now you're probably rocked it out with HDS live twelves. And you went from two graphs to four graphs, and you went from did you have poles on it in 2016? Now you got blade. I don't know. I mean, like, it's just 
a lot of this is really the accessories and the way we're loading them out is driving the I mean yes boats have gone up the outboards have gone up quite a bit but it's not just the boat manufacturers it's the way we're rigging boats have driven it up more than people realize is right, what I'm so saying. you had two graphs up front your mapping sonar then your live scope graph then your scope then you I mean just like it. two graphs used to be like the norm now like four is the norm I'm too ADHD. I have noticed a lot more guys are going to one big graph up front. Well, at the console, I see that more than... Yeah. One one big graph at the console, like a Mega 16 or Lowrance 12 or whatever, and then they got two or three at the bow. You know, you got a mapping. You got one for 360, then you got one for Panty Optics, or however you want to do it. See, I like two at the dash for redundancy. Mm-hmm. So rather than like run one giant 16-inch screen, if something goes wrong with it, then I have nothing. I'd rather run two 10-inch screens. Mm-hmm. I get the, basically the same real estate, but then like if something goes wrong, uh, you know, I still can run one if I need to. You see where Matt Robertson, my boy Matt, he, he had a, a video about his HDS-10 went out. He bombed, but he found another one. It's 2023, and Robertson's prized possession is a Gen 1 HDS-10. Because he likes the way it, like he's just, yeah. yeah. It draws fish so good. Like, if ledge fishing offshore is your deal and you're scanning an island looking at nothing. Is it the 2D it. that he likes so much in it? or the Down imaging. Okay. It draws a bass really, really good. Now, that's not to say the new ones don't, but again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And who am I to tell Matt Robertson it's not any good? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, I saw I bought some. Have you seen the Core Tackle Hover Jig? I bought some. I just haven't no, I used have them yet. So that's uh, Matt Steffen and um, Johnny Schultz brainchild. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard about the hover rig was really a Ben Milliken video. Yeah, so it is is basically taking the the hover the hover juggle right. The instead mm-hmm. of you putting a, basically a jig hook in there and then putting your own nail weight, they've kind of made a uh, all in one. Uh, it's actually pretty neat looking. Um, yeah, so I did this deal with uh, Menendez called D Style, where you take a sixteen. Whoa, ounce whoa, whoa, whoa! This, this D Style. This is kid friendly. What are we? What are we talking? No, no, that's what it's called it's over in Japan. So he learned this from Toshi from OSP. They call it D Style, and you take a lot wire jig head, sixteenth. You can even use thirty second. It's almost like hover strolling, but it's actually and you throw it out schooling fish on spinning gear and you, you count it down one two three and you just kind of give it a little alabama shake around the slack let it kind of pendulum them down it's just freaking deadly on schoolers um you, very similar i guess to hover strolling so here's the core tackle hover ring so it basically has that right you're using that same style hook that ben's using in the mm-hmm. his hover juggle right instead of putting a nail weight it's all molded on the shank but it's weight forward to give you kind of a similar. Interesting. Well, luckily I've got a lot of jig hit, jig hooks and plenty of nail weights. 
I know Jason Seelock from Water to Fish is he's all about the hover rig and he's been catching big browns, so I'm gonna have to give it a try. I wonder if you could make a micro hover rig with some crappie jigs. Who's locked up? Am I locked up? I don't think I'm locked uh -oh. up. Are you locked up? I don't know. Dude, we've been on here for hour forty five minutes, hella bass. I gotta work in the morning. Don't we all, buddy? These bass boats ain't going to buy themselves at $70,000 plus. Or a roof. I got to get a freaking new roof. It's always something. Dude, Somebody's always got their hand out. I wish. You know, my dad told me, you buy a house, you always have something going on. Oh, dad, he neglected to tell me, hey, you might as well chalk up, spend an extra five grand every six months. But. Sounds good. Well, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, uh, man. Next week, probably not going to be Wednesday night next week. Looking uh, forward here, probably not going to be next Wednesday. Yeah, I'm probably... For uh, a time shift. I'm sorry to tell people, I, I don't exactly know when I stream. It just, you know, I work a lot of overtime. I try to do something on Sunday nights. That's usually free for me. Um, I try not to work over on Tuesday nights in the case I get a wild hair to fish a Tuesday night tournament. But, uh, you know, we'll do what we can. Um, Hellbass, I think we got to do... I, I like this idea of maybe a monthly recap of... I don't want to say drama, but fishing or, news. Just like you industry know? news recap, yeah, what happened. Stuff's what's been stuff. popular. We talk about it, put our opinion, our own spin on it. Do about once a month. Maybe fantasy fishing winners and losers. Guys, well, here's do. some interesting stuff. So... Uh, Omnia got in some Spro Chad Shads today, yeah. and they sold out faster than the notifications could go out to the people that signed up for the in-stock notifications. I That's only saw them because I heard they were coming in, and I refreshed the page, and there was two colors still left. And while I went to pay, one color went out of stock as I and I only got I got one Threadfin Shad. Yeah, dude, I still hadn't bought any. So, I bought a Chad Chad a few years ago. The real I, one. The OG. The real one. I got a good deal on it. It was the right color. I did not like it. Maybe I didn't fish it right. Maybe I wasn't chop, 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 chop. Wasn't chopping it enough. I like a shizzard better. And, uh, but, one bait's discontinued and one's not. So, um, yeah. Uh, Brendan, I was notified 15 minutes after I checked out, after they were gone. So, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to go eat some. So, shout out to my wife, Miss Bait Woman, Brittany. She made Dorito chicken tonight, and I had nice. a little bit, and it is good. My wife can cook. Shout out to her. So, sounds good. Well, if anybody came in late, I think we had some fun tonight. Covered some good topics, yeah. gave some good perspectives. So, whether you're watching the replay on uh, the Hellabass or the Baitman YouTube channel, or the MP3, or the Facebook. Be part of that replay gang. Uh, and as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass. Suck less. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. 
As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.